another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's Wobby with the usual cast of characters, and it's the offseason. It's a running back remix on the Wobcast 2.0 today. Yes, we are going to talk Vikings and NFL running backs, amongst many other things. The business season rolls on in the National Football League, as does our detailed position-by-position look at the Minnesota Vikings which brings us to the running backs. So we'll talk running backs. We'll talk Eric Kendricks. We'll talk combine and much more to do it. No better partners than Giles and Chase. They are with us today. Hey, fellas, how's it going? Hey, hey, doing well. Uh, I'm actually signing in remotely today from the sunny state of Florida. Um, yeah. I'm here for work and uh, doing some presenting, uh, but definitely a kind of a tale of two stories this week where although I'm enjoying the sunny weather, Definitely a teardrop for Mr. Eric Hendricks. Definitely an all-star yeah. in the Minnesota Vikings world. Wait, now, now, Chase, the the NFL owners' meetings were in were in Florida this this past week. Giles, is that hmm. wait? You're in Florida, NFL owners. I'm trying to buy into the Minnesota Vikings. What can I say? Ah, I had a few billion. We're so, on to you. Know. We're on to you. Yeah, right. I got a good bonus last quarter, so you okay. know, figured I'd yep. put it in a good spot. You're so. gonna invest. Well, an NFL team, yeah. pretty dang good investment, I would say. Right. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, the, it can make you a pretty penny. <laughs> the late great Red McCombs, uh, RIP to him, uh, passed away within the last month or so. Um, you know, obviously had a great investment in the Minnesota Vikings when he um, bought it from or uh, sold it to the Wilfs. So, um, you know, I would highly recommend that, Giles. You take your bonus from last quarter and buy a stake <laughs> in an NFL team. That'd be a good move. So, there we go. All right. Um, <laughs> Let's get into stuff. We have a lot to get to. Uh, I, I want to yes. start with, um, you know, we're going to talk running backs eventually. That's going to be the bulk of the show today, guys. But let, let's start with a linebacker, and that is Eric Kendricks, who was a, a stalwart in the Vikings defense for many seasons. I believe it was eight, eight or nine. And I, I obviously spent a lot of time with him. Uh, he and I were with the team together for a number of those years. And I think when I look back on my time there, guys, was. Uh, specific to when Mike Zimmer was there, you know, I think one of the things that stands out the most to me was the Vikings drafting Barr and Kendricks in back-to-back years and what Mike Zimmer did schematically with those two players, the natural synergy they had as friends and college teammates, and then their just natural ability within Zimmer's scheme, the double A gap, uh, double A gap stuff, mugging the A gap, um, those two on the line with four down linemen and Harrison Smith uh, press coverage with a big corner like Xavier. And there were times you'd watch the all 22. There would literally be nine guys on the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's one thing that really stands out to me from my time with the Vikings with Zimmer and Kendricks was a big part of that. <clears throat> I think we would all agree, probably the right move to move on from Kendricks with that being said, bravo to a great Vikings career from a, a really good player. Yeah. Honestly, when I was looking at the first domino to fall, it was either between Kirk Cousins and the decisions surrounding him or Eric Kendricks, because um, he was one of the highest captains on our team, both last year and this yeah. year and had the lowest dead money. So when you're looking about to create cap space and get under the cap, more importantly, by next week, once free agency starts and the league year starts, he yeah. was the easiest domino to pull trigger from. And when you're identifying all the different deficiencies in our room, we've talked a lot about this. The middle linebacker room, unfortunately, cost us a lot of games. That's not any 
slight to Eric Kendricks. He has been a phenomenal player. A couple of years ago, he was maybe the best middle linebacker in football, but that's yeah. the nature of the game is that your body can really fall out of, fall out of place uh, pretty quickly. And more importantly, we've adjusted schemes in a, in a space that he's not necessarily the most proficient in. I obviously wish him the, uh, wish him the best of luck. He'll obviously land somewhere and maybe have a few more years left in the NFL. But um, I do think this was a, a natural and more importantly, a necessary step to improving the Minnesota Vikings defense for next year. Um, I think this really steps up into putting Brian Osimo into a starting position. But yep. if you were to analyze things, I honestly thought Eric Kendricks was the better player in contrast to Jordan Hicks in the middle linebacker room. So I think there's a chance that you're going to see a little, little more uh, uh, newsworthy elements coming out uh, from Egan here in the next few days uh, on what they're going to do with the rest of them in the linebacker room. All right. So I, I think you're right about that, Giles. And whether it's Jordan Hicks or someone else, and whether it is a cut slash release restructure or resigning, what mm -hmm. do we think is next? I, I I do not think it's Harrison Smith who will go. I think he'll stay. I think he'll be a part of it. Um, Agreed. I, I agree with you that Jordan Hicks is is potentially one. Um, I think on the other side of the ball, you could look at potentially Adam Thielen, uh, potentially mm -hmm. CJ Ham as 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 moves or not. But you can also look at it from a positive uh, standpoint. How about a guy you keep, but it's a restructure. Could, can you restructure Brian O'Neill's contract? Will there be an extension with Kirk Cousins to lower a cap number? So um, I bring up a lot of possibilities and what is actually next could be outside of that group that I just mentioned, but is there anything that makes particular sense to you, Giles, that you would advocate for if you were in the room? Yeah, I think Brian O'Neill is one of the first ones because he's a phenomenal player. Hopefully his injury does not linger on past uh, but past the obvious, um, he's been a, an all amazing player. I think you're yeah. probably going to look at a, a TG Hawkinson restructure uh, ah. because I still believe they have maybe, what is it, 10 to 12 million left to, to get underneath the cap, which is obviously a requirement yeah. um, come next week. But I think the aspiration is to get under that. So then not only can you sign um, your draft picks come come April, but also you can go make some some free agent splash moves, right, to be able to yep. improve your team. And I think Brown O'Neill is the first first guy to make that happen. Um, but if you're looking at the next next dominoes to fall, like the the next newsworthy elements, I think it's one of three players. It's Kirk Cousins, it's Adam Thielen, or it's Harrison Smith. Now, I do expect Harrison Smith to still be on the team. I expect that they're going to restructure and find a way to either kick the can down the road, get him to take a pay cut. Um, I don't expect him to play on his existing deal um, necessarily because he's quite expensive and you know, we have a few cap moves that we need to be able to make. So I do expect some news to come out that way. Um, but I do expect him to be on the team. Adam Thielen is a bit of an enigma to me because he has such a high cap number and more importantly, a big uh, dead cap hit if you cut him. Yeah. So I'd be really surprised if they cut him because um, although he is a really expensive player, he's going to be expensive for you either way. So I'd much rather have him be expensive and be on the team uh, and have him be your wide receiver three or four uh, and be a, an amazing red zone target and really maintain your, your uh, dominance in the red zone with that. Yeah. Um, obviously you need to be able to take a pay cut and not have the massive back cap hit that the existing has. But um, I do expect that domino to fall. And then Kirk Cousins, I think uh, a decision on that will be coming out in the relatively near future. Um, if we don't hear any news, um, I think that will be news in and of itself because I don't expect them to play out the last year of his contract. I think, um, there is more and more news that they're going to try uh, or th that the 49ers are looking for a veteran quarterback, although that is still reckless, reckless speculation. I don't yeah. expect them to just play it out. I think they're either going to try to trade him now 
uh, and convince him to uh, um, uh, adjust his no trade clause or they're going to extend him long term. I really don't expect a short term extension, uh, nor do I expect uh, them to cut him, obviously. So I think it's either they're going to try to find a way to trade him if they feel like he's going to be a free agent next year um, or they're going to try to extend him long term. Yep. So that, I think you're going to find that news here in the relatively near future. Yeah, I think you're right about that. My gut on Cousins and the future is I, I believe that I believe that Quezzy and the front office, they are capable of pulling off a trade like that. Uh, they're capable in terms of generating a big idea and then finding a partner to execute. I think they are mm -hmm. capable of it. And I think that O'Connell is capable of developing the next guy, which would undoubtedly be a young player, a draft pick. So I think they're capable to go down that route, but I don't think they mm -hmm. will. And, and I think they will entertain it because you're not doing your due diligence if you don't at least entertain it. But I yeah. don't think they're going to go that way. I think they're going to stick with Cousins because mm -hmm. it, sometimes a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? So Agreed. they may have that mindset and they're saying, we're, we think we're really close man, that's a big step backwards to start over at that position. We've got enough to, to turn over and improve without having to also do that. Mm -hmm. So my gut tells me that Cousins is going to be the guy and is going to be the guy for a while. They yep. need to find a way to lower that hit, the cap yep. hit, and then work around it. That's my gut on it. Yep. I think the only way that they ever uh, entertain either a short-term extension or let him play out is if they plan on maybe trading for a player right now, or I'm sorry, uh, trading a player away and developing more cap draft capital and trading up to go get a quarterback where you're essentially taking the Kansas City Chiefs approach where let's keep Kirk Cousins or Alex Smith. Let's let a rookie scale contract guy learn under him for a year and then transition to the next. Um, that's the only way that I see that happening where they do need another year of Kirk uh, in order to develop the guy. Because I, I agree, they seem too much like a solidified um, not only uh, coaching staff, but also organization. They don't like to be a train wreck, um, yeah. which I honestly prefer. They're always going to maintain relevance. They're not going to try to to be a dumpster fire in order to just go develop the highest draft pick. They're always going to make the best out of what they have. Yeah. So I don't see them going into the draft, for example, with no quarterback. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that, I mean, there's been past situations where we've gone into that and it hasn't ended well. It puts you into a, de a desperation position. Um, so I, I agree. I don't expect them just to go flying without one. They'd have to have an absolute plan in place. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think you're right. We'll see some more headlines coming from TCO Performance Center uh, here in the coming days and weeks, for sure. Uh, the first one was Kendrick's uh, being released, and that was a big one. And there may be one up to that level uh, again. But I think the bulk of it's going to be restructuring and resigning uh, in advance of free agency and the draft. All right, let's move on to combine. Um, um, I, want, I want to get your your guys's thoughts on winners or losers, thoughts and general analysis. Giles, I know uh, from our data scientists, we have some combine data we can go through and look at, mm -hmm. uh, and we can use that here in this combine segment, or we can sprinkle it into the running back segment uh, following or both. But um, a couple of things for me on combine, one is specific to a player and one is a general thought. And I'll start specific to the player. I think, and, and again, you know, we're not there. So mm -hmm. we can, we can watch, you know, observe, watch and read from, from, for, for me from Rosemont, Minnesota. And in doing <laughs> it from that standpoint, to me, Anthony Richardson 
is the guy I think I heard the most about, read the most headlines about. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and every year at the combine, we have guys like that who, for mm-hmm. some reason, they are lightning rods for the attention and the news. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember Michael Crabtree was that when he came out. Tim Tebow most certainly was that when he came out. Johnny Manziel was that mm-hmm. uh, when he came out. Uh, so sometimes it's for good reasons. Sometimes it's for poor reasons. Uh, this mostly was for good reasons. I think Anthony Richardson is a player whose stock has been rising. And I think the combine helped him in a lot of people's eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Some people would, would call that uh, nonsense because the things that caused a lot of people to speak glowingly about Anthony Richardson don't have a lot of relevance in the real game. Uh, as an example, his vertical leap, which was unbelievable for, for the position. Some people would say, what does that matter in the NFL for a quarterback? And we can debate that until the cows come home. But um, I'm just saying, I think Anthony Richardson is a player who had a lot of buzz at the combine. What effect that actually has on where he goes in the draft and who gets him, I don't know. I'm just saying, as I watched the combine from right here, I was like, geez, Anthony Richardson, like everyone's talking about him. Honestly, I think uh, the macro lens of what you're talking about is going to have a tremendous impact on the draft. And the fact that I think a lot of people have a varying perspective of Anthony Richardson. I think all people in a position of authority in the NFL recognize his upside. He has a massive upside if he can fix a few things. I think there's some maybe, maybe some accuracy issues. Um, but when you think about his upside, absolutely phenomenal. When you view almost every person at the combine, he may have the highest upside in terms of all the different things he could do on the field. Okay. But that's not current state, that's upside. And what I mean by that is, I think if you look past for maybe the last 10 years, correct me if you disagree, yeah. this is the most uncertain draft I can remember. Yeah. When you think about it, usually there's a lock at number one. And if there's not a lock, it's like, oh, it'll be this guy, this guy, or this guy. Right now, I cannot tell you who's going to be no, number one overall because yeah. one, I don't know who's going to be number one overall. And two, I don't know who's picking number one. Is I it going to be the Texans? Is it going to be the bears? Who's going <laughs> to, is it going to be the Panthers or the Col- uh, the Colts? Uh, who's going to yeah. trade up? And depending on who that is, depends on who they like, because someone like Anthony Richardson or someone like, um, you know, Bryce young, all of them have different skill sets, right. And they might go into a different system. So a different team might have a different opinion on who their number one guy is. So depending on who trades up and where, what position they're trading up from is going to send the biggest ripple effect across the entire first round and more importantly, the entire draft. So I'm really interested to see who, who goes in the top five and then what type of run does that push in either a position group or style of offense uh, or defense for that matter? And how is that going to affect us being at 23? Do we move up? Do we move down? I think this is going to be a very, very exciting draft. Yeah, I think it is too. And I agree with you that it's not just, you don't know the player who's going to go earlier. Number one, you truly don't know the team. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to stay as it is. I think there's going to be movement no. there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's just gonna, that's just gonna beget even more movement. If the first pick goes, I, that's gonna generate more movement for other picks up up there at the mm-hmm. top. And I think you're getting more and more GMs like who have the mindset like less need, where they're mm-hmm. like they're they're and John Schneider, um, mm-hmm. and 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 Quezzy, I think in Minnesota where they're they're not afraid to move, they're not afraid mm-hmm. to exchange and move and. And they usually have, like, they make this move, and it's like they've got another one that they're thinking about. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, they're not just yep. moving back. Like, Oh wow. The Vikings moved back from 23 to 27. And everyone's talking about that. Oh, they moved back four picks and what they get for it. And, and Quezzy's like, well, I'm already thinking about what I'm doing to move back from 27 again. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? So um, <clears throat> I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I don't know who's going to go early. I agree. There's a lot of uncertainty and going back to Anthony Richardson. I think it happens more often when a player who was thought to not be in the top five or the top 10 and is a surprise inclusion in there, he Mm -hmm. ends up not working out. That Mm -hmm. happens more often than the inverse, you know, could not agree more. So I'm a little like buyer beware on Anthony Richardson a little bit there because it's like at 25, I, I think he's got a great shot to succeed and surpass expectations at five. Yep. I don't know about that. You know, I agree. And, and the thing, uh, the same thing resides true. If we were picking sixth, I would feel a lot more okay with, all right, if we feel like he has a high upside, I may be willing to pick it. But if you were in the 23 position and I have to now trade up to get him, I think it's a hard no for me because of the variance that you're talking about. I think yeah. when you think about the risk ratio, it's way too high. I mean, anytime you're picking a quarterback and having to trade up for him, there's risk. Even the 49ers trading up for Trey Lance. And now for all intents and purposes, they seem to be moving off of him. I mean, for most organizations, that'd be a fireable offense. Now, seemingly the 49ers are are uh, pretty aligned on where they're at, but most organizations you're going to get fired if you do that, if it doesn't work out. So I think you're going to find a lot of GMs and coaching staff uh, not willing to make that, that move out of fear of their jobs, because although you see the upside, if you're not dang sure that your seat isn't hot, I think uh, it's, it's going to be an issue. Yep. Generally speaking on the players rising and falling at the combine, you know, I think that is very, very, um, sensational the idea that Mm -hmm. players truly rise or fall at the combine from the standpoint of where they end up on teams boards Mm -hmm. it really the combine really does not affect it that much it it Mm -hmm. might what you learn about a player at the combine may disqualify him from your Mm -hmm. board so from that standpoint it can really affect you Okay. Yeah. Cause you might learn something about them medically character wise about them mm-hmm. that you're just like, we can't touch them, yep. but very yeah. rarely is a guy going to go from your eighth graded corner to your second graded corner or mm-hmm. from a third round pick to a first round pick that, that just mm-hmm. is not going to happen. If yep. anything, the combine is verification time for scouts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's really a launching point on the evaluation process for coaches because the coaches mm-hmm. have been working all year on the, the practices and the games. Yeah. Like it, you'd really be surprised. Now, now all those coaches, they pay attention to their alma maters, you know? So mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you like running backs, former Vikings running backs, coach Kenny Polamalu was a UCLA guy. So like he'd always mm-hmm. have the UCLA game on in his office on Saturdays, right. Before we went on mm-hmm. a road trip. You know, yeah. but, uh, but you ask most of these coaches about players at other colleges or at players, not in their position that they, they don't, you'd be surprised. You know more about him than they do. And it's like, <laughs> well, he's an NFL coach. How can that be true? It's like, he is so myopically focused on, mm-hmm. on what he's doing every day 
that he might not even, he might not even be able to tell you who's ranked in the top 10 if his school isn't. Mm -hmm. And so the combine is really the launching point for those coaches into this process where they may not, might not have watched much tape at all on their guys, Mm -hmm. but the combine is where they learn the 25 guys who should be in their universe for the next two months. And then they go watch tape on them. So to think that the combine is this place where players are rising and falling is just, just not the case. It's only falling if in certain circumstances, right? Yeah. That's why you probably see a lot of uh, participants say, I don't want to do the combine. I'm, I'm bowing out. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. want to risk anything going down. Uh, you know, I feel like it's far more of the, the players that are maybe sixth round picks that want to make sure that they stay relevant or something yeah. like that. I yep. mean, you've been to the combine a million times. You probably have some, some good inside stories about famous players and stuff where you're uh, like, oh, this is, this yeah, is going to affect things or maybe not, you know. I'll give you one on Harrison Smith. Um, okay. So talking about the combine and its relevance, um, and, and so let, let's not have the theme of this episode of the Wobcast 2.0 be the combine doesn't matter. The combine does matter. I mean, mm-hmm. from a medical standpoint and an interview standpoint, it has great relevance. And from a business standpoint for teams, agents, and current players, it has a lot of significance. So do not mean to diminish the event. In fact, it was one of my favorites to attend. Uh, when I was in the league with the Vikings. So I loved going there. However, Harrison Smith was a player that the Vikings obviously ended up drafting in the first round, but their affinity for him happened well before the combine. And I remember learning this after the fact, but they were so impressed, obviously with his tape at Notre Dame, but they were so mm-hmm. impressed with him at the senior bowl because he was on the team that they coached at the senior oh. bowl. Okay. Yeah. And they were so that, yeah. impressed with him that they had decided in that moment, like at that time, we're taking Harrison Smith and they shut it down. They didn't go visit him at his they probably went to the Notre Dame pro day because there were other players from Notre Dame that they wanted to see, but they didn't visit with Harrison Smith. They were never rumored to be interested in Harrison Smith. They didn't talk about Harrison Smith. So, I mean, Harrison Smith could have shown up at the combine, you know, 35 pounds overweight and refused to do anything, you know, and they would have like, they had already (laughs) decided we're getting Harrison Smith. And I remember, and I, I did not know this at the time. So, you know, I'm helping run the show from a content perspective on Vikings.com. And just coincidentally, in our last mock, we, we, did, we did a content series called Mock Madness, where we tracked all the mock drafts yep. and said, you know, CBS Sportsline has the Vikings taking this guy and ESPN.com has the Vikings taking this guy and Fox Sports and this and this and that. Well, a couple of them or one of them mocked Harrison Smith to the Vikings at, I think it was, I don't know, 22, whatever it was. And so, you know, there's seven or eight different possibilities for the Vikings to take in mock madness. And for some reason we grabbed onto Harrison Smith and put him on the website and said, you know, read the latest mock drafts. And, and from what I was told after the fact, there was um, some choice language used and some serious consternation from certain folks within the draft room about that being like, we're, we're trying to take this guy. He's up on our website, what the, you know? And so obviously, <laughs> obviously it ended up not mattering because other teams are not really going to put much solace into much, much credence into who's on the team's website. Also the Vikings yeah. ended up getting them. So it didn't matter, yeah. 
But funny story, yeah. A, <laughs> how early the Vikings decided they were taking him, and, yep. and B, how much thought some people gave to what was on Vikings.com, you know, the day of the draft. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and it's all good now, and the people involved in that, um, you, you know, there was never any problems or controversy or – or anything like that, but it was just kind of a funny story from my time with the team. So, yeah. Yeah. It shows how much uh, actually goes into this where when people like some players, they're going to do everything they can to go grab it. Exactly. And then from, from this conversation leading forward, who is that guy for the Vikings right now? Because obviously we have a new coaching staff, new GM, I mean, new ish. Um, Obviously both of them have been in the league for a long time. So is there someone that has that kind of place in their head where they're going to go grab him? Honestly, you could make an argument that Lewis Seen was that way last year yeah. uh, because there was some weird silence elements to the draft and, and all the days leading up to it that it felt like too much of a strange pick for them to have not tried to go make that happen. Yep. Um, and at the end of it, it was super, super fast, fits into the scheme of what they're looking to do. So if I take that lens, if you look at uh, hyper-intelligence, hyper-speed, who fits into that category? And I think that translates well into analyzing. I mean, look at the existing draft, who fits into that category? And yeah. honestly, this is maybe not a show-stopping number when you hear it out loud, but one guy that comes to mind for me is Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. Um, He ran a four, six, four, but he's a tight end. And a lot of people are saying, are you, if you're looking to add a sixth offensive lineman, this is the guy and he can catch passes and he's still relatively fast. So like the guy that comes to mind to me in comparison is, is uh, Kelsey. Now, I wouldn't say going into this draft and thinking about all the positions of need and the ones that could help us the most, my main, my brain doesn't go to tight end right away. But when I take a step back and think, well, you know, based on what you were talking about before, we're looking to add pass catchers. We're looking for weapons. It doesn't have to be a number two wide receiver. What if you added a, a second tight end and you had two premier tight ends? When you think about running 12 personnel where you have two tight ends in the field where both of them could go out and catch passes, both of them could block. Like, what did that look like? That could be quite phenomenal. And I don't know, I'm totally speculating there. But when I think about intelligent, fast players, he's the guy that comes to mind. Love it. So that's that's the kind of stuff, Giles, that that stimulates my brain, my football brain, because it's it's a, it's semi outside the box, but but it's open minded. It's open mindedness. Mm-hmm. And I think the mistake in draft in draft execution and player evaluation that is often made by pundits and fans mm-hmm. is everything you're, you're looking, they look at everything in a vacuum and it's like, mm-hmm. how, how can we win the Super Bowl right now? You can't win the yeah. Super Bowl in the first round of the draft. You mm-hmm. like the, you're building a team in the draft. And if you go into any GM or coach's office, especially GMs though, Mm-hmm. there's a place in their office probably now electronically mostly but in the old days when i was around you know like a physical board in the office that mm-hmm. was hidden you know and you open it up and it's like this is this is the roster for 23 this is mm-hmm. and then like you have the, the list of players okay mm-hmm. and then you like think of a spreadsheet but on the wall and then you have columns with years you know, it's like, this guy's going to be here in 23 and 24, but it's blank in 25, 26 and 27. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. so you got to look at it from that standpoint. Like, where are your holes in 24, mm-hmm. five, six and seven, maybe not that far, but where are your holes in 24 and 25? And the mm-hmm. draft can, can address those holes. You don't need the mm-hmm. draft to address the holes in your roster in 23. 
Because mm-hmm. if you have too many of the holes in 23, if too many of them you have penciled in as draft picks, you're not going to be very good. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. you can't come that many rookies. You can't. You can't. And I, and if you can find a team that did, let me know. You know, that'd be the yeah. first team. So yep. the draft. Usually it's one or two rookies, maybe, if, if at maximum. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, that do a good job. Exactly. The draft is futuristic. The draft is building blocks. It's planting seeds. It's developing your culture, your style of play, your identity. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I love about your idea about another tight end. I mean, I'm counting Hawkinson as WR2, basically. I know he plays tight end, but he's WR2, really, you know? So um, who cares if your third best pass catcher is another tight end? Who cares? And like you, you mentioned Kelsey, when you were describing him at first, I was thinking Mercedes Lewis. Then I was thinking Mm -hmm. Gronk. Like Mm -hmm. if you talk to Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, they'll tell you how great of a blocker Gronk was. We all know him as a great pass catcher, you know, and a fun flamboyant, flashy flashy player. (laughs) But I think a lot of his teammates would describe him as a gritty player and a guy who, if you had two Gronks, you could have 12 personnel and do that. Um, And and, and the last thing I'll say is I think Kevin O'Connell is an offensive oriented thinker, obviously. And I think he's creative and open-minded, but that doesn't mean he wants to go five wide. He, he would love to find a way to use 12 or 13 personnel and get you thinking run and then have three yep. or four of those guys go out and, and run routes and do route combinations. Yep. So love that idea about a tight end being taken late in the first round. Yeah, especially because these guys aren't slow. They're just as fast as some WR2s, in my opinion, yeah. especially when you think that they can block, they can pass. I mean, if you're an opposing defense and you have zero idea if they're going to run or pass, uh, that's the best case scenario, right? Then then you're opening your playbook wide open because a lot of teams, when they have to go to 12 personnel, it's like, all right, they know we're going to run and we have to run because we can't achieve success with the pass with 12 personnel with the, the people that we have. So it just kind of, limits our playbook versus if you could do almost everything from 12 personnel. I yep. mean, look at the the type of benefit that comes from that. In my opinion, that's a Super Bowl type formula because yep. when you have a statuesque quarterback like Kirk Cousins, it helps with your pass blocking game. It helps with the illusion of complexity. It helps with uh, um, uh, play action. Like there's so many different benefits coming. Um, but that's one guy that comes to mind. Um, definitely love uh, uh, Darnell, Darnell Washington. I think there's some, some pretty good tight ends in the room, uh, but those are the guys that really come to mind. Now, if you're thinking about like speed as the absolute priority. So if we're yep. thinking, you know what, let's say we do want to draft a tight end because we love TJ Hawkinson and we don't want to upset him uh, even emotionally. Let's say we were going to go wide receiver. Um, the guy that, that achieved the most success was Trey Palmer. Uh, he okay. uh, had a 4.33 uh, in his four yard. And that is Trey Palmer from Nebraska. He was six foot, 190 pounds. So just absolutely phenomenal. So if you're looking at a, a total speedster, a guy that can get down the field faster than anybody else, he's the guy that comes to mind. Okay. Interesting. Um, how about any additional data? We're going to talk running backs eventually in the mm-hmm. show. So not necessarily running back related, but any other, uh, because I like this guys that stand out for you from, from a data perspective like this, I want you to keep going. Any other guys that stand out because you're right guys that whether it's because of combine data or regular season tape or a gut feel during an interview, the Harrison Smith mm-hmm. thing will happen to Quezzy, yep. to Kevin O'Connell, to the offensive coordinator. 
where mm -hmm. it's this guy and you like him. And yeah, I know we don't need that position or yeah, I know it's a little early for him, but I got to have him. That will happen. Mm -hmm. And I think oh, the way uh, you're yeah. looking at it right now is how it happens. Yep. A hundred percent. And I, I mean, when I'm thinking about translating that into the running back room, um, uh, one additional uh, statistic that I think the Vikings were really looking at, especially when they took Lewis scene was the 10 split time. Um, yep. Uh, you know, and, and when you're looking at the 40 yard, like I, I want you to be fast, but your breakaway off the, the beat speed is the most important to me. And that's yep. where I think there's some, some clearly superior players when it comes to that in the draft right now. And uh, that guy would be the Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina. Uh, yeah. He had a 1.48 split time and a 4.37 yard. Um, so that's the first one. I think he's probably the best option. If you're looking for the fastest 10 split time and the fastest 40, the other guy would be Devon. Um, uh, Arcane from Texas A&M. Uh, mm. He's five foot eight, 188 pounds, and he had a four three two and a one point five one in the ten split time. So uh, honestly, I think that could be a really interesting element from a running back standpoint if that's your absolute priority. Which they've talked about that time and time again. They want fast and intelligent players, but guys that can feed off the ball. Um, so then, really, when I'm looking at breaking down, what does that mean? Obviously, you want fast. I think if you were to go around the NFL and say, do you not want fast guys? Everyone say, of course, yeah. I need someone fast. But what does fast mean in the context of our, our, um, our scheme? And that's where I think timing is absolutely everything, especially when you have a, a stacked UX quarterback. You want everything to be really well-timed. He's not a guy that can improvise on the fly. So everything relies on the timing of plays. And when you can count on a guy being a step or two faster right out of the gate, Yep. One, that's going to do a much better job for your O-line because you're not waiting two and a half seconds to get the ball out of the pocket. So if you can get guys that'll get from starting line of scrimmage all the way to where they need to be, um, you can do that that much faster. It allows you to get that timing perfectly in rhythm and not require Kirk to get out of the pocket and save the play after it's breaking down. So I think that's maybe the philosophy that they're trying to go into the, the game plan with, which if you're being a speculative person, the fact that they're looking into that tells me that they maybe see Kirk Cousins as the long-term plan. Ah, um, but that's... Yeah. That's very speculative, um, but I really think that's a benefit uh, for them to be able to improve their offensive line play um, and get Kirk Cousins to get the timing where he needs to go. Yep. Yep. The other thing about speed and play speed is a guy could be a little bit slower, but if mm -hmm. he is better at knowing the play, knowing his responsibility, mm -hmm. he may play yep. faster, even though he's a little bit slower. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And I think another interesting dynamic is if in a short area, you time really well, short mm -hmm. shuttle, three cone drill, your 10 yard mm -hmm. split, but in a 40 yard dash setting, you don't time great. Mm -hmm. Depending on your position, a scout may rank the player who timed better in the short area higher than the player. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yep. so there's those things to consider too. And I think, I think you're, you're hitting on an important piece and that's where, you know, not saying that the draft doesn't matter, but sometimes it can over or under amplify certain things. And one player that comes to mind for me is that, uh, in that category is the cornerback Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Yeah. Um, I think he's projected to maybe go in the top 15. He's an amazing corner. He may be the first corner off the board, honestly, uh, when you're looking at capability right out of the gate and being able to be a productive player, uh, on and off the field. Um, but he ranked, I believe, 20th in terms of both 40-yard speed and 10-yard uh, split. Uh, he had a 4.38, which is still pretty fast, don't get me wrong, uh, and a 1.54 from a 10-split standpoint. Um, but 
at the end of the day, there was a lot of guys that were faster than him. Uh, the fastest guy was DJ Turner from Michigan. Uh, he had a one four seven ten split time and at four two six for a forty year time. I mean, he is fast. Jeez. I mean, Michigan they know how to run fast. But yeah. when you think about intelligence, Christian Gonzalez I think is leading that category at least in my head. So that's where. Although physical performance is an absolute requirement when you enter the NFL, like you mentioned before, if you can be an intelligent player, you can counteract those other things where if the guy that's really, really fast doesn't know how to manage the scheme, you have nothing to do with that. It's like, <laughs> excuse me, it's like taking a Ferrari that's stick shift. You don't know how to drive a stick shift. Yeah. You just have an expensive piece of junk sitting in the front yard, yeah. right? So you need to be able to drive it. Yep, exactly right. Yep. All right. Um, any other combine thoughts or data thoughts? Um, honestly, uh, one overarching theme is that a lot of players chose not to do a lot of things. Um, so a lot of the big premier players that I was hoping to get some insights out of didn't necessarily, uh, um, go in and, and test. So at the end of the day, um, you know, it wasn't as much of a, a big combine year as I would have thought. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think about this, there's a couple different ways to look at it because okay. on one standpoint, I, I just don't know if I was a coach or a scout, how much mm -hmm. a great performance, physical performance at the combine, I don't know how much that would sway me in actuality mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. and we've talked about this already on the show, but also it's like, if you're in a draft meeting in a, a few weeks from now and you're stacking the board and it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know, you like chase Conradie, um, you know, why, you know? And it's like, if you come back with, well, at the combine, you know, he did this. I just don't think that's going to resonate with your peers, with your other coaches and mm -hmm. scouts, as opposed to if you say, you know what, I watched the, the four games uh, that you gave me, you know, I watched the Ohio state game, the Michigan game, the Nebraska game and the ball state game. And I saw these seven, th that is like, okay, got it. So yep. when I see players not participating in certain things, I'm, I'm kind of like from an agent standpoint, I'm like, I can kind of see why, because it can really only, I think, hurt. I don't know how much it can really mm -hmm. boost you or help yep. on yep. the flip side. And I know I see you have yeah. a comment, so hold yeah, your yeah. thought. Yeah, don't yeah. forget it on the flip side. I think a lot of coaches and people in this environment are like compete. Come on. It doesn't matter if we're yep. playing monopoly or mm -hmm. 40 yard dash, you should be out there competing, trying to win. So I don't know. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I get both sides of that argument. And when I look at um, the exact scenario that you're talking about, I compare it a lot to, for example, a, a resume that you would use for your career, uh, yeah. where when you think about it, I view the combine similar to what you would put on a resume, a resume as like a certification, where I got a certification in this and this and this. Yeah. I show that I have learned how I can do this. And I can I can get the pedigree, but I view your work experience far more as here's all the games that I played and I show that I've, yeah. I've done the work. I can do the work, uh, but the, the combine is the certification. So when you're trying to pitch someone on a job, it's like, here's all the resume uh, builders that I've built and here's all the experience I have. And I also have certifications. Yeah. So if I'm a coach going to say, look at all the, the Ohio State game, the Michigan game, uh, all these different games, this is why I want them to be on our team. Plus, here's what they did at the combine. It's like an, an extra add-on where if you're stuck between two players, the certification or the combine, mm -hmm. that's the linchpin to say, all right, he confirmed what I wanted to do. Let's move forward with it. Exactly right. Totally agree with that. Um, like almost like what we talked about earlier, it's, it's a validation thing too. You know, it's yeah. like, I, got, I remember <clears throat> uh, Rick Spielman 
would have certain criteria for certain physical measurements of a player or performance results of a player where it's like, if he's going to be a corner and we're going to give him a blue grade, he's got to have this arm length and he's got to at least have this in the 40. Okay. And it's like, if he didn't have those, that didn't mean he was off the board. It didn't mean he was going to drop four rounds. It just meant he would go underneath another player who did have those at the same grade level, you know, because one one B exactly. Cause invariably you're going to have two players who might play the same position or different position graded the same. They have the same Mm -hmm. grade, but to eliminate the thinking component on draft day, you need to stack them so Mm -hmm. that there is no debate on draft day. If that guy's there, we're taking that guy. Yeah, because he's he's ranked ahead of him. So um, that's really, I think, what the 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 point of the com or the result of the combine is is tiebreakers, rankings within a cluster. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the combine, and then on top of that, the medical and and interview process. So yeah, of course. All right, Um, should we talk running backs? We talk running backs. Oh, let's do it. (laughs) All right, so. As I was preparing for this, guys, I thought, you know, because we've done O-line, we've done wide receivers, um, you know, we've talked Vikings defense. How do we get a top five defense? How do we get a top five O-line? So I I think there's something we need to do with the running back position that's different than so what we've done so far. And it's the prism through which you view this position in today's game. I think it's changed maybe more than any other position in the last 10 years, you know, cause previously in talking about wide receivers and offensive linemen specifically, we talked about the ways in which a team can acquire an elite player or two. Mm-hmm. And then how do you complement that player? And we've been like, which wide receiver rooms do we like the most? And, you know, Miami went the route of you draft two and trade for an elite guy, right? Mm-hmm. Buffalo traded for an elite guy. Uh, but the Bengals just went the grassroots way and just drafted everyone, right? So we're, we're talking about player acquisition through that prism. But I, I think the running back one is different because you, you should not start with how do we get an elite player at this position? I think you start with, is it important to have an elite player at this position? Because it requires resources, either draft capital, a trade acquisition or free agent cash and cap space it requires that to get an elite player more times than mm-hmm. not yep and, and i think the question is do you need that at the running back position the 49ers would say hey we traded for christian mccaffrey so they obviously think you do and they went to the nfc title game the other team in the nfc title game this year was the eagles and they had a cavalcade of just guys <laughs> right yep. so both yep. ways work um yep. And I think before we get into this and before the Vikings make a bunch of decisions, you'd think they got to answer this question. Do we need an elite player at this position? I think uh, the conversation potentially starts from a broader level. It's not necessarily, do we need an elite elite running back in order to achieve success here? It's Uh much more about the running game in general and in its contrast to the passing game. When you look at the 49ers, I think they traded for Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey, other than maybe Debo Samuel, who happens to be on the same team, is probably the best player in the league to be both a wide receiver and a running back. 
So he presents the illusion of complexity and the idea that you have no idea what he's going to do on the field. I mean, heck in the, in the NFC championship game, he was probably going to have to play quarterback, right? He's a very versatile player. So I didn't necessarily view that acquisition in the lens of them acquiring a running back. I took that as them acquiring a tool and a, and a weapon to be able to go achieve maximum velocity for their offense. Um, And that's where I think you have to figure out how do I go achieve success with the running game? And we've talked about this before, but if I'm building an elite run game, if I think that a run game is important for me to win football games, which I think maybe should be a conversation, do you need an elite run game to make it work? I think I'd much rather start with the offensive line than I do the running back. I'd much rather rather have an elite offensive line than an elite, an elite running back, yeah. uh, at least in terms of the capital you're going to go spend to be able to make yep. that happen. Yep. Um, so when you, I mean, analyze our existing running back room, currently uh, you have Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, Kanayan Wangu, and Ty Chandler. I yep. don't expect Alexander Madison or Dalvin Cook to be on the team, to be honest. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to make things work. So at the end of the day, you have Kanayan Wangu and Ty Chandler. Plus CJ Ham, if you're able to retain him, which is uh-huh. kind of a running back, kind of not. Yeah. Um, I'm very intrigued by both Ty Chandler and Kanan Wangu. Um, Ty Chandler is probably the biggest uh, opportunity for me in terms of what you could achieve um, with success there. Um, you know, for a variety of reasons, I think he played pretty well. Um, he ended the year, um, you know, a little bit uh, less than a 60 grade, but he only played like six snaps uh, in terms of that during the regular season. When you're looking at the preseason, that's where you're able to achieve a lot better success, where I'm just pulling up the number here. Um, that's where he had an 84 grade in the run game in the preseason. Okay. Now, I get it's the preseason, but he played the majority of snaps in the preseason, and he did phenomenally. So if you actually bring him on the field beyond five snaps, he actually did pretty good, and he was super fast. So that's yeah. where I'm really, really intrigued about what the opportunity and upside could be for him, where as long as he's not a train wreck, if you throw the money that you're paying Dalvin Cook and Madison, Alexander Madison into the offensive line, I expect you to have above average outgo. Yep. So this is in my notes, Giles, which okay. you know we don't often necessarily share all of our notes or talking points with, mm-hmm. with each other before the show. We, we share a structure maybe, but yeah. we want to save that for our discussion. So it's it is, it is a good discussion, but we're going in the same direction here with our notes on Cook, Madison, and Chandler. Um, you know, Wang Wu to me is special, is a returner and, and, a, and another guy, another, another yeah. guy in the room, right? Um, yep. So I, I am not going to suggest that you go into the season with Chandler as an undisputed leader, number two, and Wang Wu as your, as your next guy. I think mm-hmm. you need to have that plus you sprinkle in others. Yep. A, a lower tier free agent signing or two, a mid-round mm-hmm. pick, whatever. But if yep. Chandler is your your second guy, your complimentary guy, I think you can win with that. If Chandler's your lead back, if you have mm-hmm. some other things in place, like an elite offensive line, mm-hmm. you can maybe win with that. Point being. Yep. I'm more on board with Chandler being a significant part of this and saving money with no cook and no Madison. I'm more on board with that than I am mm-hmm. with robbing Peter to pay Paul and finding a way mm-hmm. to keep Madison or Dalvin. Now yeah. I also will say, <clears throat> I think for what it would take to keep them, I would keep Dalvin over Madison because I actually okay. think, I actually think you can, get it to where the numbers are pretty similar. And I think Dalvin is a, is a better player, but, but maybe not. And, and if Madison was, 
was significantly cheaper than Cook, then I would go with Madison. But I don't yeah. hate the Dalvin number. Like, I don't think yeah. you're very far off from getting mm-hmm. to a number that you can make it work and have him here next year. But I understand that. Yeah. So I, I, I think you could, but I think you're yep. better served to cut ties and use that, that cap and cash elsewhere. Yep. And I think uh, to, to support what you're saying, when you look at the, the placement of Dalvin Cook in his career in contrast to Alexander Madison, yeah. Alexander Madison is entering his first contract out of college, yep. right? I mean, yep. his first real contract. Yep. So he's going to want to get paid. So his negotiability might be different than Dalvin Cook. Agreed. So now that Dalvin Cook is on the tail end of his career, I think you have more ability to negotiate. Yeah. The only reason I took the initial position that I don't think he'll be on the team is that his agent has been putting out a lot of different buzz that like essentially indicating that he doesn't expect them to come to terms. Now that could be a negotiation tactic to be very, very clear. Like, Oh, we're willing to walk. If you're not willing to do it, I'm just trying to get to as high of a number as possible. So I don't want to put absolute stock into that. Um, But that was kind of leaning in my original assumption, but I think, yeah, if you can keep Dalvin at a reasonable number, I would really like to see him more involved in the passing game. And I couldn't tell if that's either because he couldn't get involved in the passing game. If his, his route running wasn't where it wanted to be or, more importantly, they didn't figure out how they could scheme him in because they were prioritizing other throwing snaps to Justin Jefferson. But yeah. if you could find a way to involve him in the passing game, I think that presents a really interesting concept. Because um, every time I've seen him catch the ball, he can do it. Now, he's yeah. dropped a few balls, but so did TJ Hawkinson. So did every other player. So yeah. if you can loop him into that game, I really am intrigued of finding a way to keep him. Yep. Um, Almost a requirement, in my opinion, actually. Yeah. I- he can totally do it. Number. I mean, there, there were, I remember when, when we drafted him, there were so many highlights of him catching passes at Florida state. Yeah. And we yeah. all remember the, you know, he had a couple of impressive plays in the passing game this past season. I believe his, mm-hmm. well, his, his long touchdown in Buffalo, I think was a run, but was it mm-hmm. the Colts where he had a, he had a, a long, like a short catch that was yep. a long reception <laughs> turned into yeah, a long. Yeah. Play. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. That was the Colts game. Yeah. I've seen those treat cryptic- him more like Christian McCaffrey or, yes. or Debo Samuel. I mean, yes. like treat him like that player because I think he has the upside to be that. I mean, unless we're missing something, it view it views far more like a schematic issue that they haven't figured out a way to tackle him that way, then he can't do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. It so maybe does another sense. off season we'll get them into a position where they could leverage it that way. Yeah. I I'm reading some of the cryptic things from Dalvin's agent the same way you are. Mm-hmm. Um because I think both things are true, Giles. I think it is a sign that the agent is pessimistic about the chances of them returning to Minnesota, but it is also a negotiating tactic. It's both, mm-hmm. I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's incentivized to get as many dollars for Dalvin as possible. Yes, whether it's Minnesota or Miami or yep. wherever, you know? So <clears throat> yep. I do think it's both. My gut tells me he's not going to be back. You know, that, that's what I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when I was looking at it and I looked at it again this morning, you know, it's not, a, it's not even a million a game as it is right now. I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I, I think his cap is 14 is 14. I think that's what it is. Um, that sounds right. Yep. And, and I think he can get that down to around 10. Now I also thought you could maybe get uh feeling down around 10 and I don't want both of those. I don't think you want, I don't think you want it to cost you 20 million to have both Thielen and cook. That's too much for those two, you know, <laughs> you know, so agreed. I think they're too far on the wrong side of 30 for that to so, work. Uh, but, and yeah, in yep. 2023, his, uh, his base salary is 10.4 million. 
um, which means his total cap hit uh, would be 14.1 million. So, you know, I, I mean, if you were the 2012 Vikings with Adrian Peterson when mm-hmm. he was the MVP, I mean, I'm all in on that, you know, but that's not who yeah. you are. You're not them. Yeah. You know, you're Kevin O'Connell's yeah. Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota Vikings. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's too high of a hit, but I think I would do 10, you know, mm-hmm. and keep them. I think yeah. I would. Yep. Um, with that being said, I also said I'd do 10 and keep feeling and I wouldn't do both. I'd rather actually yep. do zero and have neither and have 20 million <laughs> and use that on our, you know, a right guard and a center. But, um, yep. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, these are all things that we're, we're talking about each position in a vacuum. The team mm-hmm. has to think about it as a big gigantic jigsaw puzzle and put it all together. But every yeah. week we've gotten together and we've talked about a position at a time and we're talking mm-hmm. running backs right now. So as much as I love Dalvin, as much as I think Madison has become what you thought he could become, I think it's in the best interests financially and style wise for the team to be without both in mm-hmm. 23. Especially when you look at their usages, I think minus some major shift in that, I think if you're going to maintain existing usages from 2022 into 2023, they're not worth the money that you were paying them. Unfortunately, I, I feel yeah. bad for saying that, but it's simply a reality based on continuity of, of usage. Yep. Uh, if your run game is going to maintain its position, which I, I realistically and honestly don't think that the run game cost you much in the 2022 season where I know a lot of people said we needed to run the ball more. I didn't necessarily have that opinion. Now, if they do have that opinion after analyzing the season, I can, I can definitely hear that, but I don't think that was the major issue of them not being able to run the ball. Yep. Yep. So the, you know, the, the interesting one and the reason that this is a hard decision on Dalvin is Mm -hmm. if you decide that he's not in the plans and you move on from him, wherever Mm -hmm. he goes, it's not, I kind of want to use Kendricks as the, the counter here. Like Kendricks is going to sign somewhere and, and maybe mm-hmm. be a pretty good player, but like, mm-hmm. it's not one of those where like, let's say he signs with um, the Rams. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be like, Hey, when we look back at like, we got Kendricks, like let's go. Right. But whoever yep. gets Dalvin may do that. Like that's yep. going to be a big deal for the, whoever, whichever team gets Dalvin, mm-hmm. that's a big deal for that team. So that's what makes yep. this a hard decision to move on from Dalvin is because he is a special player yep. for the reasons we've already discussed. It just doesn't necessarily make sense for the Vikings. And yep. I am curious and I'm not being a prisoner of the moment from last preseason, but I'm curious to see Ty Chandler and to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I don't think he's a nothing. I don't think he's a zero yep. at all. I think he's something. Yep. And yep. you can very easily get another Ty Chandler in this draft. I mean, he was a fifth Correct. round pick out of North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, there's a Correct. lot of those yep. every year and you can get another one 100%. this year. Yeah. And I do expect that they do move on from Dalvin, for example, even in the next week or for any matter uh, throughout this next off season, uh, this existing off season, I think that is a accommodation to Ty Chandler. I think that means that the team views him as a part of their future in a, in a relatively big way. Even if they do draft another player, I think they view that as a part of their running back committee to be able to go attack the 2023 season. So if they do get rid of Dalvin, I think they're confident in Ty Chandler. Yep. Um, I didn't really look into this very much um, intentionally you know, with offensive line and wide receivers, we did a fairly significant analysis and look at, you know, Mm -hmm. upcoming free agents 
Like mm-hmm. who, who, who is going to be free? Now, I do think it makes sense for the Vikings to get into that market and sign a running back um, mm-hmm. if they move on from Dalvin and if they don't bring Madison back. However, I don't think it's like free agency starts on March 15th, and I don't think that guy is someone you sign on March 15th or 16th or 17th. You know what I mean? Like, The only reason I would disagree with you is that there's so many free agents that I do believe, like I've said before in other episodes, that it will lower the running back market, which puts you in a great negotiation position. Yeah. But if they do decide now that I'm kind of eating my own words now that I'm thinking about it, but if you do move on from Dalvin and, and Ty Chandler isn't the exact option that you want for your RB1, maybe RB2, but not your RB1, I think you could go get a, a relatively, I put quotations around premier running back at a relatively low cost uh, okay. because you have Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, Mark Ingram, um, you know, Rex Burkhead, all of them are free agents right now. Um, and I think you could go get all of them on a pretty reasonable contract. Are all of them Dalvin Cook? Absolutely not. No, I don't put no. Burkhead and Dalvin Cook in the same category at all. But if you are trying to go by running back committee, I think your average salary for like Jamal Williams, for example, from Detroit, he could maybe be 3 million, right? That's a much easier pill to swallow. I see what you're saying. And, and what you're saying is even though it's a lower tier signing from a dollars and cents standpoint, it still could happen on one of the first days of free agency, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because they're you're all saying. going to be competing with each other. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. The, where I was going with was you're, you're not, I don't think you're getting one of the guys who's going to go for top dollar on the market. Oh, you know no, what I mean? No. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Raheem Mostert, definitely an option. Uh, Deonta mm-hmm. Foreman, definitely an mm-hmm. option. Um, there's some others back. on, Ooh, there you go. He's coming off an injury, right? Um, oh yeah, I think he is. Yeah. I think he is. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson, Justin Jackson, um, the, you know, there are some names that appeal like, like to me, Alexander Madison, like, I think he's going to get a lot of money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so yeah, I think you're, it, it's, it's a step down from that to be a one you put into the mix. And I think your room is going to look like then the 49ers room before McCaffrey, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, Kyle Shanahan's gone through a lot of running backs. I mean, there was a point like it was Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert and, you know, now it's mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell. And um, I think you said Rashad Penny. I like that. I, I like a name like that. So point being, it's going to be more of the, like the Philadelphia Eagles style of, of room as opposed mm-hmm. to the Titans, as opposed to the current group that the 49ers have. Um, it's mm-hmm. not going to be Nick Chubb, you know, uh, someone, someone like that. <laughs> Uh, Najee Harris, uh, you know, a bit, uh, uh, step back in time, Adrian Peterson, um, Chris mm-hmm. Johnson, you know, it's going to be a sprinkle of this and a sprinkle of that. And I just think they're de-emphasizing the importance of that position from a salary cap standpoint. So agreed, especially as the salaries inflate for all the other positions that are important. I think you have to choose where you have to be suboptimal. And I think running back is one of those places yep. where you can patch over. Exactly right. And you know what, as we've gone through position by position here, um, we obviously are expensive at quarterback. We have suggested some additions via the offensive line that would be expensive. Uh, Isaac mm-hmm. uh, Samalu signing being one of them. And we've suggested an expensive option at wide receiver. So we it makes it, it's about time we came in with a budget friendly suggestion for a position. <laughs> and we have done that at running back, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. 
the only guy that I would pay at that position would be if you could go reacquire Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, I mean that wouldn't hurt, right? And and, <laughs> and for the reason you mentioned, Giles, and you made a great point about that, is not because you believe in having an elite running back, because you believe in versatility, in mm-hmm. un- you know being unpredictable. And having guys yeah, be you able can get to get a thousand yards by catching. <laughs> yes, multiple positions and help you in many different ways. So, um, yeah. All right. So we have not done tight ends, correct? We have not done tight ends. I think they should be next. Let's stick with our offensive theme. Um, we'll do tight ends next. So, uh, you know, I think we're in great shape at the position with TJ Hawkinson. But the next episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Uh, let's take a closer look at that position. Um, maybe continue our conversation about the idea of one happening early in the draft, uh, because I really liked where you came from there. Um, and, and just the position in general uh, for the Vikings as they sort of come off of the Irv Smith era, if you can call it that. And now they're on to the TJ Hawkinson, but it takes more than one uh, in mm-hmm. that position group to get it done. So, uh, the next time we're back with you on the Wobcast 2.0, we'll we'll discuss some tight ends and free agency will uh, will have launched by the time we come back with another episode. So um, we'll have some free agency thoughts uh, to to talk about. We'll be able to predict some signings, um, suggest some signings, and probably analyze a signing or two that the Vikings have already executed in free agency. So uh, the business season in the NFL rolls along. Anything in your notebook, guys, that we didn't get to that we should uh, get to before we close the show? No, we're cleared out. I'm really excited for free agency. The legal tampering period is one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, So excited to get this uh, season moving on. Well, the snow has fallen here, Giles, so you're, you're not going to work on your tan when you get back here, so you better get outside while you're still in Florida. Uh, say hi to the Wilfs uh, for me and Robert Kraft at the owners' meetings while you're out there. Uh, that'd be great. All right? Yeah, well, um, they say hi back. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and we thank you all for listening uh, to Wobcast 2.0. This episode is over, but there are more to come, and if you haven't listened to our previous ones, we encourage you to do so. You can find it wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Come and find us at Twitter. You can find me at Wabi. For Chase, for Giles, this is Wabi signing off for now. Skull Vikings.